Welcome to Thinking Deeply About Primary Education, the podcast that gives you a peek inside the minds of some truly inspirational teachers. This week, in the very first episode of season two, I'm thrilled to welcome Matt Sween and Tom Gary onto the podcast to talk about teacher development, a field in which you'd be hard pressed to find two more experienced or expert teachers. Whether you are just starting your professional development journey, keen to move into leadership, or charged with supporting your colleagues in the professional growth, this episode is a must listen. Before we get started though, I'd like to ask a small favor. One of the ways to help ensure this podcast reaches the many, many teachers not using social media, and by social media, I mean Twitter, because I haven't got a clue how to use anything else, is to leave a review wherever you are listening. It should only take a second, and it would mean so much to know that these interviews were reaching those they can help. As a thank you, one reviewer will be chosen at random during episode eight of season two and receive signed copies of Thinking Deeply About Primary Mathematics, The Art and Science of Primary Reading, 100 Ideas for Primary Teachers Maths, and the Research Ed Guide to Curriculum. So without further ado, welcome to Season 2 of Tadape. Tom and Matt, it's great to have you here, and particularly as this is the first episode of Season 2, and I'm sure people are sick of listening to me and Chris waffle on about stuff <laughs> in, the, in the meantime. Um, but as we always start with our guests in numbers, I think we'll do, we'll try, this is the first time done two people at the same time, so we'll try... Matt and Tom, same question, same answer. So my first one is years as a teacher. So I'm... Uh, the fault was, will you go first, Tom, in all these that's questions? That's fine, that's fine. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I've been a teacher for 12 years. It's my, my 12th academic year. Uh, <clears throat> the same, I think we've been teaching exactly the same amount of time, so uh, 12 years. So this is, uh, yeah, I think it's bang on 12 years, yeah. Last year group taught? Year six. Uh, year six. Most important year group? Um, I'm going to say reception for this one. Uh, I'm very tempted to say year six, um, but I think so much can be laid down in the early years and you can get so much right or wrong in that year group that knocks onto everything else. Yeah, I'm going to say reception. Yeah, I mean, it was going to be right. So I think the danger is to say year six, isn't it? And <clears throat> that was a, that a really poor way of looking at things for quite a long time, wasn't it? Um, so, I mean, I would say, I would say reception, I'll say UIFS as a phase. Um, if I can't have the same answer as Tom, then, then I would say year one, because then we're really securing phonics in year one. Uh, and so I'd say that, you know, phonics in particular and that year in particular, if you think about uh, our main goal in primary school, uh, to, to teach them to read, then I'd say that's, that if I can't have reception, then I'd definitely say year one. Nice, solid answers. <laughs> Favourite year group? Year six. I've just, yeah, loved everything about being a year six teacher. Um, you know, it's um, just unique. And I really like that, that uniqueness, I think, and the intensity. <clears throat> so I've taught, I've taught year six a lot, like uh, too much probably for any, any one teacher. But <clears throat> which, which, you know, the days have been pigeonholed there, really, if you could get some results. Um, <clears throat> but I think possibly, I really enjoyed year three. I've got one year in it. And, and there's something about that year, isn't there? And I, you know, I've got children of my own. and there's something about that age and, and, the, and the sort of um, the changes in them in that age that they, 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 a, they move from being quite eccentric to being a lot less so and, and start to be cut and start to really develop their own minds a little bit. And you start to see that. So I've really enjoyed year three. I know, I know, you know, there was back in the day, it was kind of the, it was, you know, it was the graveyard year, wasn't it? It was kind of where you'd, uh, you know, but, 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 but actually I, I did a year there with a very difficult class. It's a really difficult class. Uh, I think that's this class that taught me that my personality wasn't quite enough. To like you know to win everybody over and i, I think i learned some harsh lessons that year but 
Um, yeah, actually, um, I think possibly year three, I think that's probably my fondest moment. I really, it's something quite different about that year group. Nice. There yeah. There's a big change happens in year three as well, isn't there? You know, yeah. after Christmas time, you know, a lot yeah, of growing yeah. up. Yeah, and I think it's since having children as well. Like I think my, my girl's, yeah, she's in year four now. And you, there's just something dramatic happens in year three to, to, to children. So, yeah, I really, I really love that year. It's probably one of the hardest years I've ever had in teaching um, in a very different class in, in, in sort of Wandsworth. But it just, I, just, I look back on it fondly for some reason. They're interesting, they're interesting at that age, kids are. That's a lot of great maths as well. Um, so this one might be a joint answer. You're responsible for the professional development of teachers in X number of schools. Well, I think, yeah, so we, we, we work with um, directly with, with teachers from probably about, uh, I'd say between 30 and 40 schools. Um, we've got 18 schools in our trust um, and then sort of, you know, probably a similar number that we work with um, beyond the trust. I guess the, the interesting thing about the way that we work is that we're not directly responsible for them. You know, that's, um, they're responsible uh, to their own schools, I suppose, but we get to uh, do the, the exciting work and, and develop teachers over a really big number of schools, I guess. Nice. Yeah, it's probably about that, I think. Um, yeah, uh, and we've got a couple of extras as well. So there's ourselves a trust and there's another trust we work with now. Um, and what's been interesting about that, and I'm just talking, is it's really made us think hard on our training this year, because for a long time we were used to like the model for the step was well, first of all, we we we, we weren't satisfied with the variation in NQT training. You know, it wasn't really aligned where we were trying to go as a trust, and so we thought, well, we'll do our NQT, uh, NQT training, and so we began doing that. And Tom and I started doing that a while ago, whilst in the program, and then. Um, and then we then we decided to sort of season in the production and do a PGCE. So we thought, okay, that well, but what we're finally doing now is retraining them from in, and what, what we think they should have learned for their PGCE. So there's lots of you know key things we think they should understand. They should understand um, you know how learning happens, and they should have some of these basic understanding of mathematics uh, and reading. And they weren't having them, so we you know put together PGCE. And then, but what we found this year is that is that we had to really rethink this stuff because. We'd always been trained teachers going back to schools that follow our principles, you know, and, and, and having that same CPD and same training. And so, so it's kind of sticking a bit more. And one of the challenges this year was, was to think we don't always, that's not to say that the schools won't share those, um, that all of those, all of those sort of principles with us, but you have to recognize that you just don't have that luxury anymore of knowing exactly where everybody's going to be all the time once they've left your training. So um, that's been really interesting this year. We've had, a, we, we rewrote, our entire program this year based on sort of like based on the idea that we uh, and actually how we delivered it really changed this year we've, we've it moved from being moved away from being just kind of a, a solely like residential model you know so here i come in do some training for a day <coughs> it's high quality go go back and then deliver it in schools and, and, and that was okay when you knew the schools they were going to and you're really familiar with them and you knew the head teachers and stuff and i think as we've started to spread we've had to think a bit more about the model itself uh, I'm pronouncing the question there, but but I think that's been really interesting for us, kind of moving um, how how our sort of how, how how it started off as being about the, the trust and it being about getting the very best teachers our trust trained as well as we could, as quickly as we could, as consistently as we could, uh, and how we've had to sort of think differently when, when we're less yeah, there's just more people when you scale up really, just um, yeah, be quiet. No, I'm, I, I love your model, and I think, I think we'll get into it in quite a lot of depth in, across this chat. And my next question was going to be, 
trying to guess how many teachers you were responsible for. But if you're if you've got 30 or 40 schools, you know, there's no way you can imagine that. So don't even don't even worry about that one. <laughs> um, and I think um, I think I'm okay, can't we? I think it's about I think we've got so, so we've we have got an NQT plus one program a year or so before they did it because we just we wanted a three year program. We wanted a PUC to NQT plus one. Uh, we wanted that. We wanted we wanted to train them in maths in three years, not one. That was our thinking. And the same with everything else. Um, so we've got X, maybe 70 or 80 NQTs, and then about 30, 40 plus ones. <clears throat> but then we we also produce training for our own schools. And so we, we don't just train the sort of new teachers. So uh, so that training goes out to our schools. So I imagine at times we're training quite a few more. You know, there's quite a few hundred in our trust. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's odd, really. <laughs> they listen to us, to be honest, so much. But but yeah, it's, um, it's quite a few these days. It's quite a few. Yeah, I think the, the more teachers, the better, in my opinion. Yeah. And then the last one, tweets. This, well, I was going to check this. How, I wonder how you checked this. How many you sent? Yeah. Find, so I couldn't work out to find the sound. Yeah, well, well, Kieran told me how to do this earlier, so I had a look, and, and I was 1,296, which I thought sounded like quite a lot, but uh, Kieran informs me maybe it's not. Is that right, Kieran? <laughs> That's um yeah. As far as I can tell, that's the record lowest <laughs> we've had. Um, How do you find out, Kieran? I'm literally looking live on air here. I don't even know how to find this one out. If you go to your profile and then yeah. start and then start to scroll up, it'll be the number at the top. Crikey, man! Right, right. He keeps talking. Yeah, well, while Matt's finding his number, um, <laughs> yeah, so I, I'm definitely a bit of a, a Twitter lurker, and I think. Uh, Quite a lot of the time, I will uh, I'll think about tweeting something, and then I'll just decide not to, or uh, think about commenting, and, and maybe not. But um, the other interesting thing that I found out is that 1,296 tweets—that's uh, 36 squared, or six to the power four. So there you go. There's a bit of maths for you for free. Uh, 4,095 tweets. Nice. It was me, really. Um, I'm, yeah, I, I don't actually share much. I just tend to just comment on stuff. But um, a little bit less of a lurk than Tom, but. But, but I just tend to, I, yeah, I don't think I'm ever going to get loads of followers. I've got a couple of thousand now, but yeah, I'm not surprised I've got any, to be honest. <laughs> I just, I, I generally just sort of, you know, debate with people on there and that's about it. But, but I'm, I've become a huge fan of Twitter, actually, in the last couple of years. Nice. So not many. 4,000, is that good? Kim, is 4,000 good or bad or what's that? Uh, that's, I've just gone over 4,000 myself, so I reckon we're okay. Um, yeah, that's, that's a know. reasonable amount to tweet, isn't it? That's not, yeah, that's what I think. Well, I, I love the Toms as a special number because I always look out for, oh, I want this tweet to be a square number, or this tweet to be a triangular number, but uh, that, that, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> um, so you guys are head and deputy of the Step Ahead Teaching School at Step Academy Trust. Mathematics right. aficionados and advocates of firm proper professional development for teachers. Tell us about your respective journeys and how you got here. Sure. So, um, well, yeah. So I've been teaching for uh, for twelve years, as I said. So the first um, my first year after qualification, I actually went and taught abroad. So I taught in Poland for a year. Um, came back uh, and got a job in a school um, near uh, Ilkley in West Yorkshire. Um, I was living in Leeds at the time, um, and that was a, a sort of one-form entry uh, school in a fairly rural area, um, and it was a lovely place to work, a great place to uh, learn to be a teacher. Um, I think I was definitely one of the youngest members of staff um, by a few years, and so had a lot of really experienced colleagues to learn from. So that was sort of the first five years. 
Um, and then after that, I moved down to London um, and took a post at what was then um, Gloucester School. It's now called Angel Oak Academy. Um, and that was at a point when it was in a really uh, difficult position, um, you know, a, a failing school, I guess, to use the, you know, the parlance. Um, and yeah, I went from being sort of one of the, the younger and, and sort of less knowledgeable members of staff to being one of the, um, maybe not quite older, but, you know, certainly more experienced members of staff. Um, and I was given the responsibility of uh, leading maths at the school at that time, uh, as well as teaching in, uh, in year six. And um, I suddenly had to kind of get into the teacher development game because we had lots of teachers uh, who uh, needed to be supported with their, their maths teaching. And, uh, you know, I was in a situation then where I, uh, I didn't necessarily know that much more than, uh, than everyone else, but probably just enough more. Uh, to be able to give them some support. You know, I got some great support from, uh, from colleagues in other schools. Uh, Fox Primary School, who are the uh, maths hub, uh, where one of the maths hubs is based, was fantastic. And um, Lorraine Hartley, who's a, a maths lecturer um, at Roehampton, um, she, you know, they gave a lot of really, really good, useful support and CPD to me. Um, I got on the uh, NCTM Mastery Specialist Programme and that sort of developed my subject knowledge and really it went from, from there. So, um, you know, I've always, uh, since moving down to London, so now, what, seven years ago, um, had a role in teacher development initially within my own school, but it's just sort of grown and, you know, I, I really enjoy it. I find it fascinating and, um, and, and yeah, so that's kind of broadly where I've gone and, you know, definitely went from a place where, as I, as I said, you know, I, I just knew a tiny bit more than a few other people, but that was enough. That's sometimes all you need to kind of get the, the ball rolling, I guess, like a sort of snowball down a hill. So did you fall into maths or did you think that was, you know, that was something you were interested in anyway? I totally fell into maths, actually. It's really interesting that my, my specialism when I was training was um, in science uh, in the school up in Yorkshire that I was working in, I led science. I enjoyed teaching maths. Um, and um, I think it was always one of the subjects that I was better at. But when I was moving down to London, uh, the previous head teacher phoned me up and I still remember uh, taking the phone call. And he basically gave me the option of leading either maths or ICT. Um, and I just had to make up my mind on the spot. Um, and I went with maths. But I think now looking back at, you know, all of the work that I've done around maths and how much I enjoy it and have got out of it, you know, that's really one of those um, sort of, if the coin toss had come up tails uh, rather than heads, I'd probably be doing something very different right now, which is very interesting. Nice. It's, it's, it happens quite a lot, doesn't it? But then people don't ever look back once they get maths. That's, that's awesome. What about you, Matt? What's your, how did you get here? Uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I'm older than Tom. I can't be older than Tom, I think. Um, uh, 10 years, maybe 10 years, I'm not sure, but something like that. Uh, so I didn't start in teaching. I started, um, I went to uni and studied English. I did English literature and, uh, and that was, I think really, that wasn't really a vacation. I just liked it. I was just good at English literature. I sort of, yeah, I kind of enjoyed it and, and um, enjoyed my degree. And I came out, didn't really know what to do myself. Uh, I got very fortunate. I ended up um, doing some work at a sort of, um, Called a, um, a feature agency who basically write features for like the nationals, like the women's magazines and, and female and uh, all those sort of like, yeah, all, all those publications. 
<clears throat> and a real knack for it. I just had a knack for like picking the angles in stories. So all stories are the same, right? So all every love triangle is essentially a love triangle. It's this person, this person, and the third person. So what makes it sellable or readable is kind of what's the one thing that makes it stand out. <clears throat> I just had quite a good knack for picking out what that thing was, uh, and and I was pretty reasonably good writer. So I did that for a while. Um, for agency, we sold like all the women's mags and stuff, and then I got. <clears throat> moved to London I got I asked, asked to join one of the magazines and I worked there and, and what was really and it was a bit disappointing really I'd, I'd kind of been you know put putting the hours in and the days in uh, and got to really where you should get to which is kind of being an editor so when national that's kind of the end goal really it felt like it at least and I didn't like it I just didn't like the job that's a really weird thing to happen you know you I've, I've spent six five six four five six years into this career in journalism you want to call it journalism but you know I like to believe it is um and I've got to the sort of top of the tree in a magazine with a very, very, you know, with a really high circulation. Uh, and I got there and I didn't like it. And I really didn't like the job, actually, at the sharp end. I, and I was like, oh, I don't know what to do. I'm like 30 years old, you know, and it was a good salary, all the things you'd, you'd hope it would be. And I was in London and in Camden, it was all very cool. But I finally didn't like it and I got a bit confused. And so when I tried TV and I tried TV and did some work on talk shows, didn't really like that either. I didn't realize the sharp end of it. It's quite nasty at the sharp end, what we were doing, I realized. And, that, and then I, I just went, I, I'm going traveling. So I just saved some money up and went away. Didn't really, you know, had a great year. <laughs> and then came back and, and didn't really know what to do. Um, then I did a little bit of work in school. So I, and then thought, okay, I'll, I'll I, think, I don't think this, this is not a good reason to start teaching. I didn't, I wasn't born to be a teacher. Or, um, and I decided to give it a go. I went to Leeds, funny enough, and trained at Leeds University. I'm doing my PhD. <coughs> um, and then moved back to London, uh, started working in Southwark and Mr. Tom, uh, where Tom was. Uh, I started, you know, I started in the Wild West man, of, uh, of London. It was, it was, I remember I used to get like, I used to bike to work and get a puncher every two days on the needles and glass. I'd like, and this is no exaggeration, it was just rough hours where I was working. Uh, and, but I loved it, I absolutely loved it. And I kind of fell in with teaching. I worked in the toughest, one of the toughest schools, one of the toughest areas, but I made a bit of a difference and I really liked that. And it was much better for the soul than what I did before. And, but that school was difficult. I moved, um, and it wasn't really doing anything to be professional. I don't think, uh, and I wasn't. You know, I, I was. I wasn't. I didn't know much, but I knew that much. But it wasn't making necessarily a better teacher. Um, and then I moved to Wandsworth. And I was very fortunate to have a really good head. Like you know, you get a break, don't you? When suddenly one person, it just you know maybe sees a bit of potential in you, and they put me on. They had me on the MAST, which I think is what you did, Kieran, which yeah. is kind of the, the the old version of what Tom did, I suppose, a mathematics specialist teacher thing, would you? So I was like, right, yeah, one of the early cohorts, very lucky to it, like Nikki Ashton, who was kind of my sort of mentor back then on that. Um, and just really, yeah, I'd shown to be quite a good, math, a good teacher. I was in year six, but I became a far better teacher from doing that and a far better teacher in maths and, and then sort of supported in the borough for a bit. Got married, had a kid, moved out to Sticks to Surrey, was a deputy head for three years helped improve the school and then kind of got to the point where the, the question was well, yeah, whether, you'd, whether you'd be ahead and I didn't want to be ahead, I just knew I didn't want to be ahead I, I, and I was asked to be ahead and I was, um, I, it just wasn't for me, like when I was a deputy head, I think there's a real value in being a deputy head, okay, so I'm not, I think you need to have done that in your, in, you know, think about career path, I, I think there's some real value in having done the nitty gritty of school, of school work, of operational school work. Have been, having been a DSL, having run rotors and dealt with parents, because when you're planning change, trying to improve schools, having an awareness of those and how the dominoes could fall, it's really useful. You know, so when you try to implement change and you're planning change, 
having that awareness is, is, is quite a powerful thing to help you sort of disaster plan here, you know? Um, so I did that for three years. Uh, we really sort of focused on teaching and learning and then I didn't know what to do again. And I fell into sort of step really. And I commuted for an hour 20 for two years each way because this a role came up where I could do teaching and learning. I was like, well, this is a thing, what's this? These don't exist. Uh, and I, I worked across some schools in, in, in East Sussex who, who just joined the trust had, had been quite ineffective, you know, as, and helped to move them, you know, move them forward really. Um, met Tom, I think we the first time I met, we should probably think we argued about maths. I'm pretty sure we did argue about maths the yeah, first time we met. Did. I, I remember it vividly, yeah. Pretty violent arguments about your math lesson. <laughs> well, was, uh, um, <clears throat> but then soon after we became sort of friends and, and I was still in the school and just like Tom, still one foot in the school. You know, still, sort of, still helping at school level as well. Uh, but over time, my job just got bigger. We started training more people, and, and so more was asked of us. And I think maybe last year was it Tom? We just went full time, the two of us, and started to just train teachers really. Um, and the trust were kind of happy to back that. They, they saw the the impact, I guess, we were hoping we were having, and kind of you know, making the quality of teaching, the teacher training, sort of where we were putting the emphasis where we wanted it to be around sort of the high leverage basic parts mechanics of teaching as opposed to sort of flights of fancy um and, and that kind of leaves me here now we're kind of full-time in a team of four four of us now sean mckechnie the you know uh, the queen of phonics uh quite an amazing girl actually verity griffin also in, 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 incredible individual and teacher educator we're just quite fortunate now so with, with these guys um and i you know I'm sure we'll talk about this later but as of next year i thought we get have to get a little bit bigger again because we've just been designated at hub status which is um so that's where I'm now. I'm sitting as deputy head of the school, four people in it. <laughs> you know, I love to get the numbers one, four people in it. Uh, however, we do probably educate a few, quite a few teachers. So it's, it's been it's been a bit weird. I'm not not as straightforward as Tom's. Yeah, I think I did the mass course two years in, and it, it, it was in the same cohort, Kieran. Two thousand two thousand ten cohort in, down in Canterbury. Um, but it, it it was a game changer. You know, because shortly after that, after I finished yeah. that, I got to go to Shanghai and stuff, you know, become an SLE. And, yeah. you know, it was like Tom's. And if I hadn't done that, where I am now would be a totally different place. And, but I've never met anyone who did it, who doesn't know their, their onions, you know. And it was really high quality focused on that. It was, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, I remember the master and I was very fortunate. I think there's probably for me, like the game changer, possibly with teacher, I could probably missing have an argument with Tom once. <laughs> but 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 yeah, I think that that the MST was it was such a different type of teacher training, so in depth, um, uh, and um, it was well designed. I can't remember exactly how it was designed, but it's designed well enough for me to do more than understand it and to practice it. And I think there's lessons to take from that, you know, um, and definitely made me a far better maths teacher and allowed me to make other people better maths teachers. So um, yeah, it's a great, it, was, it was it was really good. I mean, I, I failed to remember the details now, to be honest, but. But but I remember finding it challenging, and also and it also seemed to understand that you had to you had to walk away and do something. Yeah, it had to change my practice. It seemed to have a grasp of that like quite a long time ago, and when people weren't really thinking about it. So. Yeah, because I, I think the assignment was um, an action research project written up. Yeah, it was. Yeah, in, yeah. in two in two years. So yeah, it, it was it was definitely. I've got a story on that. Can I just tell you a little story? Yeah, so, of course. So so. so when I did that, I did mine on looking examining interventions, like interventions in primary and in, in, in intervention in primary. Um, 
I think when the intention was now, but I can't remember what it's all about. That was the initial plan. You know, you come up with the initial plan. Here's what I'm going to do. And it seemed like this is the line of inquiry I'm going to follow. And this is the, and this is, and actually what came from it was that I ended up looking at, I think when I was just trying to get the explore phase and coming up with the project, I was kind of, you know, I went to look at the current interventions in the school and, and I ended up being distracted by the fact that the children were just, you know, in these miserable places. They were sitting in corridors and, um, uh, and spend very little time in their own classes. Uh, and this thing suddenly struck me that, uh, I was looking at year five, six interventions, I think, that, that the impoverished sort of disenfranchisement of, of children that had fell behind, right? And it really struck me. And that ended up being where my project went. And it was about, I started looking into like the impact of last minute catch up in year six. And that sort of stuck with me really until, uh, and actually, you know, I interviewed a lot of children around that, around that project. And, there were children that spent like less than 50% of their week in their own classrooms, you know, uh, uh, and, and where they were being taught, uh, forget the content, but they're being taught in corridors with, with you know, not the same equipment as their peers and, and, and not with their peers. And it kind of struck me that that was um, something wrong with that, really. <laughs> and so so when I when I started working in Sussex and, and I met Tom, and in many ways, we, you know, we argued, but we were kind of kindred spirits. Uh, and Angel Oak, they had a, like a you know, same day keep up sort of model going. Um, and, and they had a very different structure there and they had you know, probably more cheeses than we could afford in East Sussex to be able to pull that off. So I had to think, but, I, but immediately I was like, that's how this works. Like this is, you don't, you know, you, you get ahead of it. You get ahead of the gaps. That's what you should do. And so then I went back to East Sussex and I started working on a model that could be, we could roll it in any school. Like how can you make this work? How can you get it? So every day, if every child takes a bit long to learn stuff, you can find extra time for every child. So then you don't have to like ruin their year six for them. Um, and that's what I did. And so it's kind of from that, going all the way back there, the, the roots of that, and I wasn't like some big social justice warrior, but uh, when you take a step back and you look at the, 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 what some of the, these children's lasting, you know, final experiences of primary were back in the days of, we must get X percent of key stage two sats, and you know, and everyone's cracking whips and no one's being very intelligent about it. Then, then it sort of stayed with me and actually when I saw Angel Oak and, and I walked away with this sort of big project to, right, we can make this work in any school, you know, uh, and nowadays hopefully we, we kind of approve that across East Sussex and beyond and um, that all came from the maths, that all came from a project that I thought was about interventions that ended up being about the impact of interventions on ch children's well-being, I suppose. That's amazing. Yeah, I remember being you know, pulled over whenever you described it at um, Brewerhead Maths, you know, I was genuinely moved. Um, and to think that that came from, yeah, you know, it came from that. It came from doing so because you're trying to try, find something to do, aren't you? Like, what am I going to look at? And everyone goes intervention, you measure an intervention, it starts here and it ends here. You can, yeah, you can start to yeah, measure the impact of that. And I end up just getting really distracted by it. And then I read around a little bit, really. I can't, I'm really bad for which research came from where, but I read a little bit around it and I was just like, there's some, there's, there's some evidence around this, like the, 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 this, it's not all good, the impact of this intervention. It might have made X months progress in X months. But there are other impacts on these children, and, and my, my, I'm not saying intervention shouldn't happen. I'm not arguing that, but I'm saying is it is it always necessary? Could you have done something about it a bit earlier? And I've I've kind of come around to the fact that that's probably what we should do. Is maybe distribute that time differently that we give to children. Like we're quite happy to take it all off them in year six, and go. We're gonna we're, we're gonna take all this curriculum off you, and we're gonna give it to you as maths and grammar. Well, maybe we just to be a bit smart about that, really. 
I'm with you 100% yeah. on that. that. That could be an episode on its own. In fact, I'm going to have to pencil that in, Matt. <laughs> Where we talk about interventions and school-wide structures and stuff. Um, but our focus is teacher development. But the teacher development landscape is changing. Do you, and could you guys explain you know, what the sort of big picture changes are at the moment? Yeah, sure. I, I mean, I think it's, it's a really exciting time to be uh, a teacher educator and actually to be a teacher. Uh, whether you're sort of coming into the profession or uh, or you're already uh, already in it, um, I think the big changes are around the early career support. Really, so um, in September there'll be the the formal launch of the early career framework, um, which um, you know sets the the sort of standard for for support that new teachers will uh, receive, uh, and not just in the first year as the NQT year was, but obviously um, putting that over two years. Um, much more intensive training, uh, real clarity about what should be covered in that year. And, you know, the actual document itself is, is a fantastic document. Um, more support for mentors um, and um, sort of alongside that, really, that there's, um, you know, the DFE talks about trying to, to have this golden thread uh, of CPD. Um, so the early career framework is kind of the... Um, I suppose it's currently the most ready part of that golden thread, but they're also commissioning a review of ITT. Um, and so that's going on uh, at the moment to, uh, you know, look at what the provision is and, and maybe what, um, you know, what could be developed in the ITT uh, sector. And then also, you know, through to leadership with the revised MPQs, uh, again, the, the new, uh, new frameworks for the MPQs. So the four existing ones are being uh, replaced by six, uh, while well, some are staying the same, but it is a new new framework. Um, and yeah, so, you know, a much more kind of centralized, formalized approach, I think, which um, I think some people probably don't like perhaps, uh, but I think from, certainly from my point of view, what it does is it, it kind of codifies um, the importance of, really high quality, well-structured, well-thought-through development for teachers. Um, and I think it, it, it pushes us away from this idea that when you have finished your teacher training, whether it's a PGCE, a, you know, BA or, or whatever it is, um, that you're somehow ready and that, and that you're gonna be, you know, you're a good teacher, you're ready to go and you're just gonna maybe get a bit better in your career. You know, it, it's, uh, it's just not true. And I, I think that's kind of a, a lie that has been told and, and believed within education for a long time that at least I certainly thought that you know in my NQT year I thought I was amazing I thought I was such a great teacher uh, and you know and, and I and I look back now and and cringe um, at some of the things that I did um, but because I, I kind of believed that that system and you know that I, I'd done my training I was qualified I, I you know I had my uh, my, my GTC number I was good to go and, and I think that couldn't be further from the truth so uh, you know I, I hope that you know alongside that you know the sort of codifying some of that key knowledge that that teachers will need I hope what what the changes do as well is just signal to new teachers like when you've qualified you know you're at the you know you're at Everest base camp you know you, you've come quite away <laughs> but there's a lot further to go and that's fine um, that's absolutely fine. That's absolutely normal. And you're going to be really, really well supported um, going through that. I think, I think just to add to that, and you know, you've got the MPQs being done and this idea of a thread that, you know, what, what, what I was trying to sort of do something about is that classic sort of, um, sort of teacher plateau of like, you know, effectiveness, you know, where they get, you guys are, 
for like the first few years and it just plateaus because nothing really ever happens and and the, the new MPQs are sort of the, the three new ones that put, put, uh, replace the M are kind of allowing that, that constant professional development but yeah it, at its heart it's right it's correcting what it's trying to do now whether you know the materials are recently really good and they seem to have the, you know, the hitting right beat so as I say it won't be even better in a year or two's time or whatever but but it seems to be much smarter a much smarter approach to teacher development not just ECT like this now there's a plan for teachers that so you start here and you continue on this journey and once you'll pass your ECT, then we can you can look at behaviour or teacher education or teaching learning curriculum and start specialising that area. Then maybe another before you start moving to senior leadership. It's it's the uh, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because you look at like you know sort of pay scales and then the old you know it's just kind of you know you, you're getting all these various descriptors against pay scales, but nothing necessarily supporting you delivering the, the expectation within that descriptor. Now, now you're meant to be leading a lot a core subject across the whole thing which you get. Um, the, the whole setting and, and yet the last bit of proper training you had was when your first year of teaching yeah and and, and maybe did I'm sure I did some weird leading from the middle program that was the only thing that was thrown at me back in the day it's it, it it's it's far smart it's 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 far smarter I'd say that as a as a concept and as sort of like a as a structure for the, what's gone before I think it will offer people more opportunity to get better quicker, you know. Um, it's, and, and we've seen a lot of materials, obviously we're working at the moment with um, the ECT providers that have been sort of the, the, the government, uh, the, the DFE has um, recognised and, and the materials are really strong, you know, and actually their, their understanding of teacher education is really strong uh, across, across the piece. So on the practical side of it, what it kind of means to schools actually is worth saying is that in the second year, people have 5% release. So now, your second your second UCT teachers will, will, will which is like half every two weeks isn't it that's them and their mentor so, uh, but that's I don't want to get this wrong so we are still trying to unpick all the guidance and it seems to change a bit every day but but that yeah the, the the schools will be supported with, 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 with that there's definitely a clear there's a financial support for that um what's really interesting is that the NQT time that's given at the moment that often becomes just extra planning time or time to photocopy or mark that's very much about um, about about sort of completing gap tasks and readings and learning. It's absolutely about uh, that con continuous professional development. So it's, it's moving away from that model of your NQT day, nothing six weeks. NQT day, nothing six weeks. It's NQT day follow up tasks, follow up tasks. You know, to, to move to move away from that sort of knowing it and not doing it to knowing it and doing it sort of thing. Um, and generally. Uh, and this is why we, we, I suppose, we really enjoy it. Is it's sort of kind of trying to do less but better. And that's what we've always believed in. Really, it's like do things, less things with them, but do them well, and make sure they can do them. Get the prince to do the early stuff correct. And yeah, so it's it's interesting. And, and the schools, I think, you know, it's it, it does mean you have to ring fence that time now. You know, that that, that, that you that can't expect them to use that extra fight you know extra half day a week to to do other things. They should be doing this self study and, and engaging in the yeah, some webinars and stuff. That makes sense. I was just going to add as well. You know, the, I think the other big benefit of the 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 you know early career framework reforms and and this idea of the golden thread is you know to impact recruitment and retention, which are both you know big big issues currently. You know, I think in, I mean, you know, the the teacher gap. Um, the book talks brilliantly about this, but I think you know when the, the data were last gathered in in 2017, basically a third of teachers was leaving. 
um, in the first five years. Um, so, you know, a, a huge proportion, you know, a huge number of people who, you know, a, a great amount of time and money uh, had gone into, you know, bringing them into the profession, um, you know, and we need teachers. Uh, and then they were just dropping straight out again. And, um, you know, I, I think uh, very often that was due to a lack of support. And I think, you know, the fact that th this is now codified is, is really important and sends that clear signal that this is what you are entitled to and this is what you will get as a new teacher. Yeah, as, as you guys were describing, it's funny you said, I was thinking of the teacher gap and how this system seems to, as you describe it, line up with almost the most effective way to train and keep teachers, you know, so it's, it sounds really exciting. I think um, if you study the sort of like the, some, of the, some of the contents within it, then, then if you, there's, there's, the, there's the idea and then there's, then there's what's being pushed as the content. So well, with behaviour, management, yeah, and, and getting ahead of it, not just reacting to it, get, you know, and, and sitting you know, squarely with it at the front of, of, of early career training. And, and, and when we look at the reasons people leave the profession, then behind like leadership, alongside leadership and workload, that's the other one, isn't it? So, so it's tackling it in more than one way. And if you just look at the leadership program, well, that's tend to be going. Yeah, there's, there's there's a lot of talk around workload all the time. And so, so it, it it's, it's kind of like a two, I guess, a two or three pronged attack to to make better teachers and then keep them in the system, yeah, which which isn't can't be a bad thing because anyone that's you know I, I as I was, I was definitely in Surrey recruiting was just not impossible. Like you know you want to be able to say I there's a I have this expectation around the quality of teacher I want in my school, but if you've got one applicant, you know, uh, on your third round of advertising and you can't afford the supplies, not really how it's going to work, and, and so. I think yeah, the more the more we can keep in the system, the better. Really. Excellent. Yeah, it sounds really exciting. So obviously, you guys oversee teacher development across a wide range of schools. What is it that makes you so passionate about this aspect of education? Um, I think I'd say um, it's just really important. I think it's such a, an important area and an area that's been often neglected. Uh, or, or done quite poorly in the past um, you know again the, there's this idea that you have your teacher training and then uh, you know you, you're off and you're in the, in the classroom and then it kind of it's up to you um, and I think um, you know I've seen the difference um, both for myself as a teacher from uh, the support that I've had given to me uh, but also from you know teachers that I've worked with what a difference that can make um, and I think you know what's exciting uh, or, or what's interesting about our, our roles and, and what we do is that obviously when you're you know when you're a, a full-time teacher in the classroom every single day you have a, a huge amount of impact but over a fairly small number of pupils um, and you know and, and for anyone who's kind of you know climbed the the, the ladder in terms of management in a school you know you become a you know middle leader and maybe have a bit more time out of class than an assistant head a deputy head and you'll generally teach less um, but you'll have a, a big you know, influence over a, um, sorry, a, a slightly more distant influence, but over a bigger number of pupils. Uh, and I think, you know, our roles, it's almost like another step removed from that. You know, we're, we're, we're not uh, doing the teaching, um, but through influencing teachers, uh, we're able to have a, a really, really big impact. And um, I think, you know, over, over a large number of pupils. So I think that's what's really, uh, you know, attractive 
to me personally. Uh, I think as well, you know, I, I am I am a, a teacher, uh, you know, in that I enjoy teaching. Um, I, you know, I enjoy doing that, uh, you know, explaining, modeling, um, you know, all of those things. But I really like being able to do it with adults as well um, and apply those same principles uh, to them and then get them to do that with their pupils as well. Don't know if I've answered that particularly well. I suppose I wouldn't add too much to that really. I think I, I do because I, I think, you know, it, and it's, this is not sort of a martyrish thing. I just kind of quite like working in schools in difficult areas. So <laughs> it always happens. I, mean, I think it's, uh, uh, but, you know, we know that the, the, the difference makers are the teachers. We know that's what's going to change outcomes. That's that's if you want to change the, the futures of a group of children there, then you then then you improve the teaching. That's what you do. No matter what else you do, you can do this that, and the other at it. Like fundamentally, it's to sustainably improve the quality of teaching, and that's what we get to do. And so, um, I, and so I, I guess you know from the, at the heart of it, and I'm actually at the heart of the, the trust. And I don't want to do too too, too much about the trust today, but the heart of the trust is kind of like. Uh, a, a mission to do that to improve the life chances of, of children i suppose that's probably one of the reasons i actually joined to be honest uh, and and through what we do we kind of that, that's the big that's the big leaves of pull isn't it like improve the teaching improve the quality and that's i think why the trust supported us in, in kind of a stronger grasp over the quality of teaching we were trying to do what i guess in, in some respects, the DFE is planned to do, you know, it's doing now, a couple of years ago, we're like, we need to control the quality of this, this and this to make sure that, you know, the, the core teaching is where we want it to be. Uh, and so I think that, and also, also I'm just really nerdy. Like, I just love, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm really engaged, like I suppose all of us are here in the sort of the, in the, in the sort of the learning science of learning. I just find the whole thing fascinating. I've become so much better at teaching uh, you know, in the last five years that, because I've got so engaged with it. And I, I think it, I don't think that was even on my radar. That's why I love the math so much because I got to engage in stuff for the first time. And then that seemed to pass, you know, just stop happening. And I was very lucky when I joined Step, but Step as a trust is really engaged in that. Yeah, and and, and, and was, and that was a power of those conversations with Tom and, and in the schools you walked into that, that there's this really weird culture where people would talk about things I never heard of, and, uh, and then I started to read, and I was like, "Oh my god, this, this, this," and you know, and and, and then and then yeah, and, and just it's quite exciting, isn't it? It's quite exciting, you know. I've just been doing a lot of work on sort of behavioural science uh, and how to you know create sustainable change and stuff, and, and um, that's just amazing, isn't it? I'm doing getting to do that, but that's just completely applicable to, to what we're doing because actually what we're trying to do is get people to change, not early career teachers as much as existing teachers, you know, you're trying to you know, change habits and stuff. Um, so yeah, the the, the other side of that is I just think it's really nerdy and exciting. Right? I, I find the whole thing great, and I will look at you know, I, I remember when I first found about like cognitive load theory, you're just like, What? What? You know, yes, that's clever, isn't it? You know, and then you start to, yeah, I just I, I suppose. I'm a bit of a nerd, I play board games and, and other nerdy stuff. And so there's a real part of it that really appeals to me. I don't know. Yeah, I think, yeah. Um, for me, the, the cognitive aspect, you know, the challenge of thinking um, and helping as many children as possible, you know, I, I totally, totally get where you're coming from. Those are, those are the two best bits of our, yeah. well, the two best bits of education, in my, in my opinion. Nice. Um, I think just to add as well, I, I, I think, um, something else to reflect on that when we're you know we're working across um 
you know teachers over you know a largest number of schools now I think what's really interesting and you know Matt and I have both been deputies and both been you know involved in the leadership of schools um, and you've got lots of options as a deputy or, or head or, or senior leader within a school um, to you know change how people plan uh, what lessons look like how you uh, you know all, all of that stuff that happens uh, you know within a school that, that is down to the leadership team of that school and I think what's sometimes challenging but also really interesting and uh, you know and a bit a bit of a kind of uh, yeah like a cognitive challenge I guess is is planning a piece of uh, of development that's going to be just as applicable to a teacher in any school you know whether it's a one form entry or three form entry uh, you know whether they're teaching in in year one or year six um you know whatever the systems are in place or whatever the instructional models are in within that school um but that you can still try and trying to make something that lands i think that's really interesting because when you're doing that teacher development as a senior leader within your school you know that you, you know you and your colleagues have got kind of absolute control if you want to you know move from one instructional model to another you know if you want to get everyone to model in the same way you have the power if you like um, and we don't um, but we still have to uh, you know look at how we can kind of influence teachers um to work within the structures that exist within their schools and i think that's really interesting as well it's led to probably the most re re you know rewriting redrafting of our cpd and we spend huge i mean it's all written by the four of us and, and, and actually and actually some of our sort of associates within trust we're quite lucky with 18 schools and quite specialists but but we spend an awful lot of time redrafting and chucking stuff out, spending hours on things that, and they're not landing. And we like we deliberate practice every session first to strip to make it work, and then you know acquire one to scrap stuff when it doesn't. Um, I think yeah, it's it's it's, it's 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 tricky. It's tricky, isn't it? Like yeah, but it's, it's it's and I think what we spend a lot, we've got better and better at is picking the stuff that works for everybody, and then and and then uh, allowing them to to and finding you know, and having a route map and taking that back to their classroom and making sure they do something with it you know i think that's been the real shift in us time now at least over the last three years is moving away from the sort of i know loads about this let me tell you all about it and and, and good luck if that lands in one more than one out of 30 people too okay here's this particular thing going that's really going to be really useful uh you know practice it here go back and do it in the classroom until by next time that's I think we've moved quite a lot on that and um yeah and we've changed quite a lot of our course content as well like we used to do stuff on structural addition and subtraction and multiplication division and, and i talked for ages about you know principles accounting and 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 a number system which is all really really exciting and really really useful but maybe not what you need in your in, in the first two years of your career like maybe you know what you need then is the really high leverage you know sort of big ticket stuff like you need, to, you need to understand scaffolding you need to understand about making links and learning or breaking these into small steps or modeling uh, or explaining which, which we've replicated every single lesson you're going to teach and that's probably that's one of the big changes we've we've made we've stopped being so boutique about our cpd like it's really good it was really smart and, and you'd learn some loads of good stuff you could maybe use it in term three for the two weeks you taught that thing yeah and now what we've tried to move towards is everything we deliver well are early career teachers at least not for necessarily for step but for early career teachers is usable in every lesson like you know it is it's, it's got an application and we, and we try and recognize that when we're doing the training delivery and designing it and and, and, just, and to show people that as well yeah and to allow them to create that because um or, or else in many ways you know you, they just work you know, 
you're not necessarily changing behavior are you you just you're hoping it might change it's kind of like that idea of and i'm not knocking this like but there's the idea of people having sort of like uh you know um sort of edu book clubs in schools and stuff like that which is which is great and one or two people might read those books but but where's the leverage in that you know like yeah how do you know that's yeah how do you, how do you know that's getting anywhere do you know i think we're just trying to move close to like how can we do stuff that's relevant and useful and can be taken and used straight away and that we can guarantee all of them will do that's kind of where we try to move um as opposed to sort of like this is really this is really great and really smart but we don't really know you know it might impact in three weeks or not it might not sort of thing so i think you've almost started to describe your guiding principles and how would you define them? I know, I think I've heard deliberate practice mentioned and leverage is definitely something that you, I've heard you talk about quite a bit. So how would you, do, how would you guys sort of condense your work into a set of principles? Yeah, I think um, in terms of teacher development, I think deliberate practice, I would certainly put that as number one. You know, it's, it's one that we've, uh, you know, sort of looked at, at using fairly recently you know it's, it's quite new to us but I think this idea that that telling someone what to do isn't enough um you know actually having to go through the motions of doing it practicing it um you know in the way that you know other people you know that people talk about performance professions you know um sports players uh you know musicians who perform live you know all the practice happens before they you know, step on stage, go out on court, um, and taking that same principle uh, for teaching and, and this idea that the first time that you practice an explanation, you know, this idea that maybe it shouldn't be in front of the children who you're trying to teach, <laughs> maybe you should try and nail it beforehand. Um, and um, so, you know, I, I think that that would be a huge one. Um, yeah, I, I think this idea of uh, th that question of, of leverage and, and what is the utility of, uh, of the training that we're providing you, is this something that will just be useful for that two week period when you're teaching X or Y, or actually is it something that you can apply across your, your lessons? Um, mm -hmm. I, I, sorry, I was just gonna say the, the, the other thing really, from my point of view is just this idea that, um, uh, I suppose that, the, Every, everyone knows that pedagogical content knowledge is important, um, but I think that's still sometimes forgotten. Like just because you know about something doesn't mean that you can teach it well. Um, and so I, I think just really, really, you know, looking at, um, you know, whatever it is, I, teachers are going to be teaching it and supporting them to work through, you know, what that means in terms of, uh, of teaching it to others and, uh, you know, and what those, you know, pedagogies or bits of knowledge are that, that are going to, um, help your pupils take it on um, and so just really not assuming that um, just because someone's a teacher because someone's you know well educated to degree level or whatever uh, and that they know how to you know use a semicolon correctly in the sentence that they can then teach it I think sort of not taking anything for granted there. I think I think just to add I suppose I suppose I think we I think that like uh, so, here, so I think we we think what we do and what we design is curricula. The teacher training is is a curriculum in itself. So it's not just these things thrown together. You know, like, you know, like a bad school curriculum. And I think is it Mary Meyer because of Gallimaus, which is kind of lots of weird things put together. And that's like a yeah, not a good school curriculum. Lots of bits that don't work together and don't tell a story. 
uh, and there, there isn't a progressive narrative through, yeah, narrative through them. And I said, and in a great curriculum, it, it starts in one place and it builds, uh, and you need this to get to here, and, um, and, and it works together as a whole. And I think we've always had that principle of what we're trying to do. It has to be like coherent. Like where are we trying to begin? So, so for example, yeah, so enough in, in our PGC, I mean, I'm not going to go into too much detail. In the PGC, we make sure we nail the, the, the working moment model, like nine, eight or nine sessions on understanding how we learn, seven or eight sessions on phonics. Like you've got to understand reading. So but we're going to be primary school teachers. We need to understand phonics and reading. That stuff is like at the beginning of our journey. Then in year two, we start to, you know, the simple memory model, Willingham's simple memory model is just that. So in year two and three, we start to challenge that model a little bit. Okay, so just like we teach children, here's here's um, here's, here's a really simple diagram of the water cycle, uh, evaporates and condenses, and that's kind of what's happened. And later on, you see like a much more complex diagram. And, and, and so we slowly sort of peel back the curtain a bit and, and start to challenge some of those ideas, I think. Um, and we, and you know, we, we'll go much deeper on cognitive load theory, and then we'll, we'll maybe look at where motivation plays a part in attention. You know, because originally we just told you it's about attention, but actually the motivation is being, is being given by something else, and we're going to explore that a bit later. Um, and then, and it's just kind of, and it's then a bit like Tom said, sort of building, the, spending more time on the things that matter. Like, what are the big pillars of teaching? You know, what are the things you have to behavior management? You know, is absolutely key, isn't it? Checking for understanding, questioning, um, and, and like scaffolding and modeling, and, and and they're the big ticket items that you want to nail. So you spend a lot of time on those, a lot of time deliberately practicing particular pedagogies, and then and then as we move to like year three and then two plus one year, then again we we make them back them, refine them, finesse them. So we're trying. I suppose what we're trying to do is what we try to do our schools, or we both believe maybe the schools is is do less, do it better, and do it more coherently. You know, so 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 our teachers may not do the flashiest lessons, but but they do the good, they, they sweat the the, 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 the the main stuff really well, you know, they're really good at the basics uh, and that's, uh, and they've got a good understanding of why those things are important. That's kind of where we try to go with it. My, my, PG, my I did PC is, I mean, lots of respect to Leeds, but it, it didn't hang together remotely, like remotely as a, as a course, you know, there's some really good bits on it, but but it wasn't coherent and we were we were really trying to endeavor to be coherent and, and for like any sort of school maybe to have a coherent curriculum that makes sense and i think that's kind of what we tried to to do and actually what, what i think is what they're trying to do with the the the, the new ect and, and, and the new mpqs and you know kind of, i think that's that, that's that's the way it has to work isn't it because it work better the whole is 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 more than some of its parts sort of thing. I'm not saying we've nailed it, like, <laughs> but, like, but that's kind of what we're trying to do. No, that, that, that makes totally sense. And, you know, it places how teachers develop what they need to know at the heart of it. You know, you're not leaving anything to chance. You're going to have high quality teacher by the end of that journey. That's, you know, so we're not really consistent teachers. It's really interesting. We go and watch your NQTs and like that. They're like, you know, and, and uh, we're not anti ideas and creativity but like, we, like, we, 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 we've got we've usually got them hitting the main beats of teaching quite well you know that their explanations are good their modeling is, is strong their handover to the children's good their check for understanding is in place they've got a number of techniques they now have to check for understanding and short answers they've got another technique for long answers you know we, we've we've over time we've, we've told that story to them and we've gone to practice it and, and and by kind of like you know we're turning out some really we'd like to see people do you know what they are they're miles ahead of me 
when I was like in year two. I wasn't that. I don't know. I was. I think I was that good even on my last couple of years of teaching. You know, or at least I didn't know that much. You know, um, I don't think that's necessarily about bigging up the quality of our CPD. I'm just saying this. Maybe that's just getting doing it in the right order sometimes. Like, you know. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure that people are much better CPD than me, uh, or Tom, and, and, and about you know how to explain something. But but maybe it's when you tell people how to do it. You know? Yeah, I, I wish I was at the start of my career again, so I could go through that route. <laughs> yeah, me too. Huh? <laughs> I, I, I can't. Yeah, I, yeah. I think I've learned more about teaching last five years than I learned in the first five, and that's that seems the wrong way around to me. But, you know. So, in, in your opinion. What's the single most important aspect of teacher development? Um, I, I'm going to come back to what I said before, which is practice. Um, you know, getting teachers to practice what they're going to do, the moves they're going to make, the words they're going to say before they step into the classroom. Um, and, and I think just this idea of the, of the know it, do it gap, which Matt talked about, this idea that just because you know that you should do something just because you know how to do that thing does not mean that you're going to do it in practice. Um, you know, our habits are so strong um, and, you know, teaching is such a, a complex environment that as soon as we're in there, uh, you know, we're, we're sort of, we're forging habits from, from, from our first day of teaching um, and these behaviors that become habitual. Um, and then if you ask someone to, to sort of take, you know, what might be one decision that's kind of built into like a framework of, of 20 decisions that have kind of become like a, like a meta habit, if you like, to then say, change that one thing in the middle of that um, just isn't reasonable. And we can all see why we, why we might not do that if we don't sort of deconstruct uh, a little bit, focus on that one particular area and, and just get them to, to run it again and again and again. Um, and, you know, it, and it's this idea as well. It, it's not just practicing until you can get it right. It's practicing until you can't get it wrong. Um, and, um, you know, we're going to keep uh, getting you to do this um, again and again. And I, I think, you know, one of the, the, the challenges that we've had um, throughout COVID um, is, is that obviously our training for the last, well, 12 months or, you know, almost the day uh, has moved online. And, you know, and we've, we've, continued running our training we think we, uh, we we've adapted it really successfully and we put a lot of thought into how we can make what's normally done in person work online um, we have continued to do deliberate practice online uh, because we think it's so important but I think we're also aware that um, you know there are just inherent weaknesses to doing it online um, and I think when we uh, you know when we can get back into the, the well the, the training room uh, with our with our teachers you know that's uh, that's what we want to be able to to do in, in you know in person really because yeah I, I do think that is just that's been a real game changer for me and uh, you know that this idea that just because I've I used to think that I, if I if I showed someone some a piece of CPD uh, on how to teach something or how to explain something um, I'd just be baffled if I didn't see that in place in their classroom the next week I was like what's happened I, I just told you about this I just literally told you how to do that thing uh, and now I you know I, I realize that that actually it's not about being told it's about actually doing it and, and practicing it yeah it's giving adequate time to, to add to that the adequate time to make the, the changes you want to make like you know and, and well, I, even at school level yeah you know, I look at and we're, we're both from you know worked in quite a few really successful schools you know they've made they've come from places where they weren't so effective and 
and, and like rushing any sort of change, whether it's teachers, whether it's, whether it's all teaching in school, teaching in IT, like you know, not understanding the amount of time it takes to, to make changes uh, and, and, you know, spending more time on the one change you want to make than the one trying to do a hundred things at once, you know, not trying to, you know, we strip down our training. <laughs> We're constantly like re reducing it and reducing it to like the, the very, you know, the, the, the most essential components and, and, and equally, I mean, and this is just a reference in one of the most interesting things about STEM. And, and I don't want to, I'm trying to be a trailer, but I, I'm a bit of a fan of something we do. Like, we don't have like the, the big one and a half hour CPD every week, like in schools. It's just you know, cumbersome things at the end of Tuesday. And really, you've zoned out by like, you know, even if it's a really good CPD, you kind of zoned out through tiredness by five o'clock. So we have like two, just two a week, they're like maximum 35, 40 minutes. That's so much better to play with, you know. So when you so when you introduce a new a new technique, then you can go introduction and model deliberate practice, deliberate practice, deliberate practice, and in two weeks you've done all that. Or you can have, we just introduced a new history curriculum in in, in East Sussex and that's been designed by like five schools, uh, and and over and the CPD to deliver that with the practice was like fourteen sessions long. Yeah, it was given the time to breathe, and I think often like. You know, we're throwing too many things at people too quickly, and we're not saying thinking about how long it takes to get change to happen consistently and sustainably. You know, and not a lot, not all that sort of like the, just three or four doing a good job, but everybody doing it and being confident in doing it. And uh, so it probably sits within what Tom's saying to be honest, because because it, it is about practice and about time. And I think understanding and being confident enough. And I think probably by, by light step is it, it's a brave trust. It was always a brave, it's been a brave and still being there. It, it's, you know, and I think, I think you have to be quite brave under the old, under the old Ofsted, maybe not the new one, but it was, you know, it was to, to be able to say, no, we're gonna do it differently. We're gonna do this and that. And these results, it may not pan out for us, you know, was, was quite a brave thing to be doing really, especially when you're trying to make an aim to yourself. And, but, but it's kind of worked. And, and I think it always recognized that, it always recognized like, you know, you can't rush stuff. I worked in the Sussex school, so I moved there, and there were special measures, and, and I spent a whole year and a half on maths, just like, and that's what I was given, just giving me, just gave me time, like just to, to work on it bit by bit. It's not not like results by the end of the year, you know. Um, and then sustainably, that's what I, then what I'm then is like, you know, sustainably you've made changes to a school, which becomes part of the, you know, it's, it's embedded within the culture. Which you have to get right first, uh, and and it, and it's within the sinews of the school, and so it's so it continues. And I think so. Yeah, somewhere in that equation is like a lot of just like you were kids, like you know, just give them break it into small steps, and then give it the time it deserves if it's important. Right, that's what I'd say. Yeah, yeah, I, I I've definitely got this idea that there's very little difference between teaching teachers and teaching children. And yeah. There's, 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 <laughs> I mean, like, it's funny that we we like to think that that somehow is like, and and I don't think, and and obviously we are more educated and more expert in some respects, but we're giving our teachers more complex content sometimes. So so it doesn't you know, it isn't. It's not. It's not. There's not a world of differences there really. It was the first time you've heard about like, you know, you've used Willingham's simple memory model, and and then it's the first time, isn't it? It's like you, so you need the simple version. Um, yeah, yeah, I think what, what's what's really nice about that similarity as well is that, you know, we get to practice what we preach and, and, and we get, you know, sort of a bit meta in our in our training and, and we'll say, right, you know, we, we've just done, uh, you know, we, we've just done this bit of retrieval with you from, from the last session. Um, why have we done that? And, and, you know, how could you take this back into your schools and, and do that? Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. I, I think that's that's probably broadly true of of a lot of uh, 
a lot of teaching really you know I think you know the differences between say teaching in the early years and teaching in year six or primary to secondary are often set up as very different and I think that there's often you know much less difference there than than you might think or than a lot of people think and I think yeah the same is true of, of, of teaching teaching to teachers. Yeah just every, everything you're saying tonight can be referenced back to what we do in, in school with the kids yeah. yeah and it's a good way to think about it and one thing I've noticed during this this pandemic is the amount of time I actually need for CPD, you know, because I, I moved my CPD online and I don't want people on the screen for an hour. So I've been doing 30 minutes and I've got just as much across. But like you say, being really streamlined and you know, that, that's, that's definitely something I'm going to take forward. You know, that's been fascinating for us. We've been, we've like, you know, we've, we've gone hard into booklets last year or so uh, for really for, for take up, you know, just going to take something out and work on something and actually, uh, that's been one way of managing that, like the screen time, because that's actually, that's been, yeah, there's been a, there's been a real, it's been a steep learning curve this year, trying to get this to work properly. I think someone would be in agreement, if we had the choice, we do smaller pieces of CBD more regularly. That's that's always what we wanted to do. That maybe isn't the way it can always work, but ideally you'd rather do half a day every, or an hour every week, or than doing a day every sort of six, so to speak. But um, but yeah, that's been a real challenge, like moving online. I think we've found, you know, we've, we're getting better at it, you know, can do breakout rooms, quite good at that. Uh, and we've, we've started, you know, we've learned to let people turn the cameras off and just listen to us. Like you can get a bit precious, can't you, about like attend, attend, attend. Uh, but if you use your question right, you can just about, you can keep them on the ball. Uh, so we've got better at that, but it is, it is interesting, isn't it? Like, you know, with, with knowing you've got less time and knowing they've got less chance of, you know, hanging in for an hour and a half. Mm. Um, but I think what you said about, uh, about doing less as well like you know that that's definitely what we found and I think you know where, where we have tried to introduce uh you know that um that time to yeah get off the screen to reflect to to, to write in a booklet or to to read something you know read an excerpt or something like that um or, or or do a bit of scripting which is you know one form of deliberate practice we do quite a bit of um and I think what we've realized actually and this is, I'm sure this is something we'll take back into our in-person training when we're sort of back, you know, off, off Zoom a bit more, um, that, you know, what in person we would have, would have been, say, one hour of content. Now that we're online, we, we're, we're almost like, we think this needs to be two hours of content. Uh, and then when we go back to the training room, I think we'll want to try and keep that and, and that idea of, yeah, doing, you know, doing less, narrowing down and giving more time uh, and that time to, to, yeah, to reflect and, uh, and breathe. Excellent. Um, and so I think you alluded to this earlier on, Matt, because um, we know from studies, you know, such as those by Kraft and Popeye, that not all schools grow their teachers equally. What is it the schools that are strong in this area do so well? I'd say that there's um, a, a certain relentlessness um, and it's kind of inbuilt into the school culture around professional development. Uh, and I think, you know, I talked earlier about when I started at um, uh, Angel Oak, uh, which is the, the, the teaching designated teaching school uh, when it was Gloucester School. Um, and we, you know, we did have a, a fairly young fairly inexperienced staff. Many of the staff had just joined the school, so were quite new. Um, and the head at the time, um, Tim Mills, who still uh, works within STEP, he's one of the um, executive directors of primary. Um, he introduced this idea of these two 45 minute 
you know, staff meetings, sort of shorter sessions that Matt was talking about. Um, but there was just this relentlessness, this idea, you know, we, we, we need to always be developing. We always need to be improving um, so that we can do the best for, for this group of children. And, and actually, you know, at the time, this group of children who had been absolutely failed in their education. Um, you know, I was teaching year six at the time and, you know, these were children who, uh, you know, for a, a variety of reasons, um, had had a, a very, very, very poor educational deal. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I, I think that there has to be just a relentless drive. And the thing is, I, I think that can't, I don't think that can ever stop. Uh, I think, you know, an, an Angel Oak, you know, it is now outstanding, although, you know, that's obviously not everything and, you know, it gets good results. It, it's a, it's an incredible school and I still, you know, I was there today, I still love, love being there. Um, but that focus on development hasn't stopped. You know, the, the staff are very, very expert now. There are, there are still teachers there who have been there for, for, for that sort of length of time. But it's this idea that we can always, always get better. Um, we, we can't ever rest on our laurels. Um, you know, we never stop developing. We never get to the point where we think I'm good enough. Um, so I, I think that's, that's the biggest thing for me, I would say. Yeah, there's a problem with always following you with these answers. A and B a bit more switching. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, I think uh, um, yeah, I think Tom, I think there's nothing worse than a school that's always done it this way. And I think that really drives me mad. Any teacher that's uh, or anyone that, that that's kind of this, this is how we've always done it. You know, we can't be in that mindset, surely. Like you know, as teachers, especially in a generalist profession like primary, when you're teaching twelve subjects, um, I, I think. I, I think that it, it, it has to sit within leadership, doesn't it? Like it has to sit within leadership in the school. If, 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 you know, if, in my experience, of working with schools in general, that, that schools will, when schools fail their, the children that, that, that attend there, then it, then it sits with leadership. Right? It, it always will do, it has to, doesn't it? Because they're all making decisions. And, and so for me, like leadership got to understand the importance of teaching and learning. They've got to understand that that's what will drive outcomes, that's what will make differences. And they have to engage with, with curriculum a bit more than not at all. And, uh, and, they, and, it, and they need to be, they, you know, they, they, um, they need to understand that it's those things, that they're the, that they're the two levers to pull to improve things, you know, and that's where the folks need to cut away the, cha the chaff for everybody else. So, but, you know, I'm not, all about reducing workload for working workload sake. I don't think that you can't reduce everything, but you can make people use their energies in, in different ways. And so cut away the stuff that's not useful and not making a difference and let them spend their, their same hours on things that are important and will make a difference. And uh, and that could be, you know, that could be removing, uh, and it depends on the school and the cohort, really, couldn't it? But, but don't have staff meetings full of operational stuff. And what a waste of anyone's ever time. You know, you can simply put in an email. And, and, Think about you know every opportunity you can get to cut away the, the fluff to give people time to engage in the, the more important stuff. And I, I, because, because people, when we understand that, means you understand that teaching is a thing to to work on and improve. And and and, and that's really you know, then you've got that culture that's evident where teachers are, are thinkers and talkers and, uh, and reflectors at, because they've got time to do these things. It's when you it's when you wall them in with like just nonsense that these intelligent people who have done degrees who enjoyed thinking and enjoyed you know being challenged suddenly end up being like just busy doing boring stuff and and, and following rubrics and, and and 
sort of nonsense lists as opposed to sort of being able to, you know, just focus on the nuts and bolts of, of the point uh, of getting better at the stuff in the classroom. And so I think maybe my answer within that is, 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 is within leadership. It has to, it sits the leadership, it's the leadership's understanding of, of where to focus teaching energies really. Uh, and where to focus their energies, I guess. You know, I mean, of course, schools have rotors. Of course, schools have Christmas fates. But there's ways to. They shouldn't fill up your, you know, your staff meetings, especially you know if you've only got six a term. You shouldn't have one on the swimming gala, whatever it is. You know, something you can put in a bulletin. Uh, so it makes sense. I just, I just, I, but, I, but I, I will say it's just the leaders. I think it does. I mean, you can't, it can't be on anyone else, can it? They have to be accountable, and then those leaders. So in good schools, leaders are accountable, uh, and, and and those are less affected. There's, there's more of a blame game going on, and you know that there's it's more on the teachers. It's more on the year six teacher, year two teacher, year five teacher, and so you know. Um, and so yeah, for me, sort of maybe the leaders understanding what that the most important part of their job probably beneath safeguarding is is, is improving teaching and learning. Right? So yeah, good answer. It's an answer, isn't it? So, no, it's I, I get it sucks going second, I realize. <laughs> but I'll continue with it. You know, he is my boss. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm with you 100%. And, um, you know, because uh, you, you don't get to think deeply about variation theory or question selection if you've got too much paperwork to do or if you've got to think yeah. about, like you say, yeah. writing the script for the school play, you know. Yeah. yeah, I've done that. I mean, exactly. You, you know, just that sort of stuff. You know, that's not changing. I mean, okay. I like I like drama. I think there's a I think there's a value to it. So I'm not saying that at all. But but yeah, it's just it is about just if it's not helping, like while they're doing it, you know. And, and, but but at the schools are very, you know, a lot. You know, the, the people are unwilling to change a lot. Or, or this, we're a good school. And if we start fiddling with this stuff, if we remove the we change the marking policy, and I don't expect people to write reams of written feedback we might slip and be in trouble as opposed to asking what the purpose of that what impact does it have on the children if it doesn't have an impact and maybe you know spending our time doing something else might have more impact we should probably do that yeah nice and then tom thinking about yours it, it reminds me of the dylan william you know everyone should improve not because they need to you know but because they can yeah. um, you know i think i'm loosely paraphrasing them you know but it's it's something to live by isn't it you know because I think the minute you think you've got it sussed, that's when you're going to get a slap in the back of the head and you soon realise you haven't. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I think it's, um, and I, I think there's, I, I think there's a real arrogance in that. And, um, you know, and, and sometimes it's, um, you know, there, there might be lots of reasons why someone might, might think that. And I think often it's probably, you know, actually fear, uh, you know, fear of being told that you're, you're not a good teacher or yeah. if someone comes along and says that you need to improve, that that's a, a judgment on you. So I think, again, it's down to that school culture and how that's communicated. But, but I think, um, you know, that, that has got to be the message that, you know, when you're, when you're starting out, you are not going to be very good at this. There'll be things that you're quite good at and things that you really, really struggle with. And, and that's fine. Um, and we're gonna we're gonna support you to get better, um, but don't think for a minute that you've that you've got it nailed. Um, and, you know, and I, I think thinking back to myself, and I, you know, I said before that you know how 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 amazing an NQT I thought I was, um, and I think part of that is is down to you know some of the things which I thankfully now are, are going out like you know graded observations. 
you know, well, I, I you know, I, so I get an, out, an outstanding observation or, or, or an NQT form that says I'm, uh, I'm making outstanding progress and then, oh, you know, well, well, fantastic. That's great. And, you know, I think that's, uh, you know, that that's a nonsense that I think is, is thankfully becoming less and less prevalent. Um, but yeah, you know, we can always improve, you know, we can, we, as teacher educators, you know, we're always, you know, looking at each other's work and, you know, picking it apart and, uh, and, you know, going through, you know, quality assurance because, you know, yeah, we can always do our, our, our stuff better. And I think, um, I think in fact, Matt, you sometimes pull me up because I, I can sometimes be a bit too <laughs> negative about something that I've just delivered and, uh, and yeah. yeah Real sort. I mean, that's a, yeah. You end up with a little bit too critical on work. It's already been sort of three filters. We all look at each other's work and deli literally deliver the session, see how it goes, and pick holes in it. And then, but still, you then like you're never happy. You never are. You know, but I think it's that it's it is creating that sort of safe culture, isn't it? Like it, it's it, whereby it's okay. Like you know, it, it, we're going to make a few mistakes on this, but like you know, that's absolutely fine. Yeah, you, know, you need, um, but but we'll get there. But equally, you know, you do want to you you do want to make it. The chance of success to be quite high. So if, if if you if you do too much at once, the chance of lots of failure, and then people, whatever you tell them, are going to start being they're not good enough. And so the onus is still on you then to break that down into like achievable pieces. And, and, and when you're trying to improve things and improve teachers, um, but but then also to accept that they are yeah, even in its most granular form, we're going to make the odd mistake in that school. That's not a problem because that's kind of what we do here, and that's we're just all about. Like trying things out, getting a bit better, let's see, reflecting, and um, yeah, I think, yeah, I think that's, I think that's the point I'm trying to make here. Uh, no, I, I think I think what's really hard as well is um, is the the messaging of that because um, you know what what's what's really important to bear in mind with teaching is, is that like you know yes you're going to be supported and yes you're going to make mistakes and yes you're not going to be good at everything and that's okay but I think what's also incredibly important to communicate is however <laughs> your year three class are never going to get another year three yeah. you're teaching you know in primary this isn't one lesson in their timetable this is them you know you know not eight tenths of the time um you're going to be teaching them and they're not going to get this time again so um now you know I, I think the way that you square that circle is that you know it, that isn't down to the new teacher uh, that's down to the support that they get whether that's from their mentor from their senior leadership team from their co-teacher from us um you know that that onus is um isn't on them uh, as a new teacher but but i think also it, it's important for them to be aware of that fact you know that, that it is you know teaching any group of children for that amount of time is a big responsibility i mean it's where, and that's where you, I suppose, you know it's, it's where you come back to practice isn't it deliberate practice like you can make mistakes how about we just don't make them in front of the kids <laughs> how, how about we don't use the first, the next two years of teaching that math topic as being the sort of trial and error space and we, we use that time now to do that so we've got our best you know we, we're gonna, they're gonna get a better version of this when they first see it and that's kind of thing why we really believe in that like that we believe it's part of this is making mistakes and and, and finessing what we do and reflecting and um and that's part of being a really good teacher but let's not make them all in front of the kids because uh, yeah, and at the moment we're you know we're in a situation where like, um, you know, they're even less time, aren't they? I mean, it was 450 hours I calculated in the first lockdown. So what we're in now, like you know, what I'm saying? 900 hours of school effort, it is. You know, so every hour is even you know, at least as important as before, if not more. You know, especially for those those reception year one children who've kind of missed all the early stuff. Um, 
yeah so i think so i think that kind of all makes sense when you sort of when you think about that on the one hand you want them to be to, to not worry too much so you try and make it a safe place you try and make them a safe place to practice and then so then the kids are not getting like you're not pushing the first cock up in front of the kids but we all make mistakes in teaching but i i made most of mine with the children you know and, and i've got one of my one of the one of my small bugbears about mastery and i'm a big proponent of like i guess in the core sense of mastery and i'm you know really in, in trying to keep more together and, and, and it is that it can cover up not very effective teaching like you know well, i'll give them an extra day for this i'll give them an extra two or three days because they need the extra time and sometimes that can just be because the teaching wasn't good enough or we're trialing something on them and so we're having to do the deliberate practice with the kids you know, we're practicing our teaching in front of the kids, and so we're trying to get better at it using them as kind of, you know, accidental guinea pigs, so to speak. Um, and so I think that's, I suppose, was for such a big practice. I just think it avoids that. The practice isn't just, I think, belong to my thought. It was like, you know, let's practice, and it is this, let's practice like a wait time or let's practice, you know, various T lap techniques. But the practice is equally writing exit tickets was equally practicing scripting a conversation with a parent you know another thing you really don't want to be like getting wrong the first time you do it with them you know um and and so and, and in that sense it's got massive utility because you can pretty much do you can pretty much do anything as practice uh, i i know i first when tom started talking about it i kept thinking like this is great but like it's just to me something from the classes so when i started going oh, oh we can still have 20 minutes and just write exit tickets or you could just have 20 minutes and you can and you just script the first three lines of that phone call to, to an angry parent. Oh, that's really powerful, isn't it? Like, you know, um, so that's, yeah. So I think, I don't know, I think where I was going with this, I was trying to say practice is, is where you do it all. That's what I was Yeah, that's, that's, that's a really powerful model. And um, the more I listen to you guys, the more I think I've just been dabbling in teacher development over the last <laughs> four or five years. <laughs> um, and to be fair, with phone calls, I will still script, I'll script my own now because I really struggle on the phone. Um, we all do it you, yeah I, it's one of those things that you realize that when you you know if you're if you're making that call that you're worried about you're saying it over and over in your head um you know if you if, if you're you know writing a, a letter to your noisy neighbor you'll you'll you know you'll you'll write five drafts until you've got it just right um and so i think it's just it's extending what we do anyway i've scripted the whole podcast <laughs> <laughs> so and it, it could be that this is just the reverse, but are there any pitfalls that those schools who struggle to develop their teachers fall into and then any aspiring leaders who are listening should probably try and avoid? Do you want to go first, Matt? No. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm not thinking on this one. I'm, trying to, I'm not I'm trying to give the same answer. I, I would say, and so maybe this is a bit left, field Matt so um, that might be helpful that and I think this is a trap that I fell into and and, and this is maybe I, I don't know I don't know if this fully answers the question but it, but but maybe I, I think I used to be a real believer in um, in using recruitment as a, as a as a powerful lever to uh, driving improvement in schools and being really focused on always attracting the best candidates you know we'll get the you know, we'll get the smartest candidates that we possibly can. We'll get people who've been to Oxbridge and Russell Group universities. We'll, we'll get people with with firsts and uh, and masters and PhDs, um, and we'll get really really smart people into our schools. Now, I think I think that can be a really useful model, and uh, you know, and I do actually think that the the um, you know we should set the bar high for important. 
Um, however, I, I think the danger is that you, uh, you you sort of fall into a trap of thinking that if I've got teachers who aren't as good as I want them to be, um, I'm going to spend all my time sort of measuring them rather than developing them. Um, and I think some leaders spend so much time trying to evaluate how successful their teachers, you know, and, and, and I mean, that is incredibly difficult and problematic to do. And, you know, and, and Dylan William, you know, talks about this and, uh, you know, the fact that, you know, even, you know, really well, uh, you know, well, people who are very well trained at observing teachers, there's not a good level of reliability in their judgments. You know, really, we can't go in and watch a teacher and see if they're in and tell if they're any good um, very well. Um, so I think so many teachers, I'm losing my thread now, so many, so many leaders focus on evaluating teachers, identifying the poor ones who actually may not be poor, um, and then, you know, moving them on, moving them to a different year group, and then bringing in someone who's great. Um, but actually, you know, it's, it's this idea of, of just focus less on that and focus more on development, always on more on development, train them more, support them more, help the teachers that you've got to get better. Because I think, you know, again, coming back to, you know, recruitment, you know, we're not in a situation nationally where we've got people clamoring at the door, desperate to become teachers. You know, if, if we had a load of, you know, really smart people desperate to become teachers, then maybe that might be a model that we'd want to sort of advocate. But currently, we just don't have that. There, there, there isn't this huge swathe of amazing teachers out there just waiting to be recruited and we just need to find them. Um, you know, we, we, we have the teachers that we've got. Um, so let's support them and let's, let's spend time getting better. So yeah, I think to, to summarize that, basically spend less time trying to tell if your teachers are good or not and spend your time making them good. I think I've got a different answer for this one. Uh, I, I would have given Tom's if I had gone first. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, so I think um, there's something in sort of like being responsive to the needs of your teachers. Okay, so, so I think you need a responsive CPD PD offer to your, to your so you're gonna have headlines that you're trying to push through okay you may have a headline maybe handwriting or whatever but also you need flexibility in your, in your system to respond to what you're seeing in the classroom and, and what you're and what's coming through from from that sort of um that informal data uh, that sort of anecdotal data and i think the you know that the very best cpd is flexible and responsive and although and not rigid and and you know, I'm not saying you shouldn't plan things well and sequence things well and, and have a plan, but also you've got to have some elasticity and that to respond to what's happening all the time. And, and what, what you often see is kind of like, you know, well, we're going to do these two sessions on this and they're all going to get it. That's just invariably how it never happens, you know. Or, well, this term we're doing, we, we've got six sessions on it, you know, teaching, speak, I don't know what it would be now, let's just say PE or something, right? Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> we absolutely justify that but but uh you know i'm walking in the classrooms so and the checking for sanity's not there but i can't respond to it because i've pinned this cpd down to the end of the year so it's a you know that sort of unresponsive cpd that comes from not really knowing what's going on in the classrooms or uh, and being too rigid about how yeah you should have like the teachers you should have a rough idea about what the secrets you're going to teach but at any one point you might 
finally spend the you need to revisit this or spend more time on this or this prerequisite slightly missing whatever it might be and so you've got to have the flexibility in the system for it not to be like a conveyor belt uh, 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 with no room to move and so i think like i think the the when schools get it wrong is when they're not thinking about their own teachers and then they bring us to me and they go okay we're gonna do this six weeks do this and then it'll all get better um without paying really any attention to like the, the classrooms themselves and and i'm you know i, I think one of the and I've really learned that in working in, in East Sussex with um, a really amazing head called Jeremy, um, like phenomenal head teacher. I've never, I've never, I haven't worked with some of the heads Tim's work, uh, Tom's worked with. So you know, like, there are also some other amazing heads of Step and Beyond, but he's the best one I've worked with, who, who's, who completely nails that. Like he's workloads, no, there's no necessary workload. He's in the classrooms all the time, talking, and and then that CPD is responsive when it needs to be. You know, so if if we need to do a bit of work on our I don't know. So I'm checking for understanding, then there's room to do that. We don't just plow and ignore it because we're trying to push through X, Y, and Z. And I think that's been, you know, um, so yeah, something I think something in there about being responsive, maybe. It's all a bit, it's all a bit like teaching, isn't it? Really? It's it's yeah. all a bit like, you know, you've got a plan, you've got a curriculum, but you have to be responsive to the needs of the learners. And, I, and when you fail to do that, you leave more behind, don't you? So I love that you both responded in a positive way to what could quite could could have been quite an ostensibly negative question. You know, what are the pitfalls? Actually, you've both gone. This is something that you really need to make you know front and center. Um, and I think Tom, I'm going to be playing your bit back. You know, whenever I need some motivation, you know, about, about you know why am I doing the things I'm doing? You know, because you know that was yeah, like 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 the whole chat basically really powerful and, and makes a whole lot of sense. And um, so I think sticking with our aspiring leaders, what would you recommend to anyone wishing to develop their teacher development prowess, you know, should read, you know, books, papers, articles, blogs, where would you guys go to first off? For me, I, I think Tom and I will maybe agree on this. So, so at the moment, I, I, I think my, yeah, so I've engaged with, yeah, I've, I've been fortunate enough to sort of do a, a fellowship in teacher education, I think it's called. Uh, but with Harry Fletcherwood, I'd say that at the moment, uh, I think I've learned more about teacher education in the last year in his company, not maybe about particular subjects and domains, but about some of the sort of like the nuances of, edu of, 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 of education working and being efficient than I have anywhere else. So I'd say in a quick answer question, follow Harry Fletcherwood, read what Harry Fletcherwood reads. Um, not that it's all right, not you agree with everything. Um, and this is not an advert for ambition, it's an advert for Harry Fletcher, who I, do, who I think is probably for me the person. If you want to quick in, have a look at what he's reading and what he's putting out there. Have a look, maybe read some of his blog posts. He, he writes a lot around this stuff. Uh, Josh Goodrich is another guy. So he's the, he's the well, I actually had a chat with him today. I was on the phone. He's, if you want to know more about coaching, so think about the things we're interested in, I would say those two guys. Um, is that good enough for now? I'm going to check my kids. But I would say as a follow, Harry Fletcher Wood, Josh Goodrich. Uh, and then read some of their blogs, read some of the papers that they post, and that 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 yeah that that that, that, that that's a pretty good shortcut. That because I'm really bad at remembering who wrote what and what which papers written by you know by who that whatever. So I was like dreading this question if we had it. So I heard it on the other podcast. I was like I never know. I never know any whoever wrote anything. Uh, Tom's really good at it though, so I'm going to give the short answer. Leave him to it. So I would definitely agree with Matt on that. And I, yeah, I've also been on that program, uh, the Teacher Education Fellows, and it is, yeah, incredible. And that has, you know, um, really supercharged my uh, knowledge around teacher education. 
Um, I think in terms of, of books or, or, or sort of papers, so I think in terms of deliberate practice, um, I definitely recommend Practice with Purpose, um, written by Deans for Impact. Um, practice Perfect, which is the um, Doug Lamov um, and uh, Erica Woolway and one of the author whose name escapes me right now um, and Ambition Institute's booklet, um, the Deliberate Practice Handbook, which can be uh, freely downloaded online. So um, they're kind of the, the, the three uh, in terms of deliberate practice I'd recommend. Um, in terms of books and sort of teacher development, um, especially for leaders, um, I definitely recommend um, Getting Bet Get Better Faster um, and Leverage Leadership, both by Paul Bambrick Santoyo. Um, especially Get Better Faster. I think if you're a, a mentor, a, a coach, uh, an instructional coach, anyone with a responsibility for working with new teachers, that book is, is absolutely superb. Um, I think um, it's kind of an obvious one, but just in case it's not, I think Teach Like a Champion. Um, that's a book that I came to later in my career and it fundamentally changed the way I taught for the better and made me see so many different things in, in, in such a different light. Um, and I think, you know, that's such a good template for, for supporting your teachers. Um, and then I think, uh, I mean, Matt kind of alluded to this, um, you know, the, the sort of some of the papers that um, Harry Fletcher Wood and, and Josh Goodrich might share on Twitter, but um, Mary Kennedy, uh, who's an American researcher, she's got a couple of great papers, um, Passing the Practice of Teaching uh, being one, uh, and there's another, which uh, name I can't remember, but it basically looks at how CPD, um, you know, affects uh, teachers. Um, I, I think with those papers, that they're, they're absolutely fascinating, but that's when you start to get into that kind of um, sticky sort of liminal space where you think you've got uh, you know, a model nailed on, oh yeah, great, I'm going to do deliberate practice, I'm going to do instructional coaching, this is what my CPD is going to be, and then you read that and you realise all the reasons why actually it's not as simple as uh, as maybe we've been making it sound for the last uh, last hour and a half, uh, but, but really, really fascinating reading, really, really useful, but yeah, I, I think, um, yeah, practice with purpose, practice perfect, those would be my, my two big ones though. I'd agree. I mean, I'm terrible. So Tom and I couldn't work in more different ways. I'd, I'd give him nightmares. I'm the man with like 700 tabs open and like it, documents open from the six weeks ago still on my computer. Uh, and I can never remember who wrote anything. I've got pages of notes everywhere. So I, I dread any question that says like specify some research or oh yeah, name the author of the book. I've got no idea. Uh, you know, I would have read it, uh, but no. <laughs> Tom, though, fantastic. This is. This, this, this system for remembering these things and i'm really good at it i'm i'm, I'm good in the moment um and, and it all becomes a, a cluttery mess um after i have to go and refine stuff for like when i write cpd i'm like i read this where was it i go through like nine papers trying to find it who said that then <laughs> yeah it's, it's like i'm the most inefficient worker in the world i, I think you've both done a brilliant job because i think the people who listen to this podcast are quite avid readers and you guys have given them a lot of new stuff to go to, you know, because we've got some firm favourites on the show. Um, but it's always great when we hear stuff that actually, oh, that, that hasn't been mentioned before. And there, and there was a lot there from both of you. So, right. yeah, that's excellent. Um, so becoming a teacher is never easy. And it can take, you know, as you guys have mentioned, years to get to the point where, you know, we're treading water. What do you look for in your early career teachers? You know, to get a, a sense of their chances 
of becoming great teachers? Um, I think I'd say, and this may be a bit of a, an unusual answer, um, and I, I, I'm going to I'm going to credit this one. Um, so this this sort of comes from a, a Douglamov quote in his his latest book, uh, and that came to me by Verity Griffin, who uh, who we work with, um, and she sort of pointed it out to me. But um, I'm going to paraphrase it and probably quite badly. But he basically says that um, what makes a really good teacher is the ability to do uh, do some things which can be incredibly mundane, um, and it's you know sweating over your your wording of an explanation the ability to practice exactly where you're going to stand in the classroom and why standing a couple of steps to the left might be slightly more optimal to standing a couple of steps to the right um why uh you know dropping the tone of your voice slightly when you give an instruction has an impact and it's all these things that can appear really mundane and i think teachers and people getting into teaching often do so for, you know, some big, uh, you know, moral, exciting reasons. And I mean, I would include myself in that, you know, teachers very often, you know, want to want to change the world or, or, or want to, you know, make a huge difference to people's lives. And, and, and you can do that, that can happen. Um, but it's not always, it's not always sexy and it's not always fun, um, but, you know, becoming a good teacher. Um, so I would, I think I would say the ability and a willingness to focus on small mundane things and get them right. Um, and, and I think that can be hard when you want to have such a big impact on, uh, you know, something as important as the education of children to, 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 to narrow down your focus on, on, on the minutiae, I guess. It's almost too good an answer, Tom. Isn't it? I, I think I won't, I, won't have, I won't have much to it. I think we're both in agreement on that one. I think um, um, I think probably maybe the teachers that's not. I'm not. Uh, yeah. I think anybody could be anyone's got a degree and the go to teach training has got the potential to be a really effective teacher. So I don't. I don't. I don't. It wouldn't sort of like. Yeah. It doesn't sort of like. It's a binary answer really. But but I, I'm trying to. Yeah. You know, I'd like trying to avoid, which I think I had. So I'm going to put my hands up. This is why. I, I think try and avoid being that teacher that's trying to win teacher of the year award you know you don't want the one that's that that with you know just sheer will of personality you know the class loving the parents loving is probably quite good at teaching but it's exhausting isn't it and actually you're not going to get better at the time you want to get better so i i think people are willing to avoid you know, maybe less less reliance on their personality to carry them to you know to a successful first year or two but i think that's becoming increasingly less likely as I think teacher ITTs got better than uh, but, but I know when I started teaching I, I was all about that you know I, I was I was um, quite showman I, I was really smart quite funny all these things that you know that won you plaudits from the parents and the children and I was all right teacher but I didn't I don't I listen to anybody properly for a couple of years because next door was this teacher that wasn't really doing much and, and, and the kids loved me more and I got bigger cheers in assembly and everything else but year on year, the teacher next door's kids did better, consistently better, not for one or two years, but by the fourth or fifth year, well, I'm exhausted because I can't do any more. That she's nailed the sweat, the small stuff, as Tom said, you know, and and um, and I see teachers that the teachers that I dismissed early in my career as being dull or boring, but actually what they've done is they've they've honed their craft and they've worked out what mattered. And I think 
Um, that was my mistake when I into teaching. And it's an exhausting and unsustainable way of teaching, isn't it? Just to try and carry it off with, with, with just gusto every day and, and, and sheer, your sheer will, I suppose. And so I think Tom, Tom's got the real answer, but I would say just maybe avoid that pitfall of thinking it's all about you. you know? um, I, I think I'd just add as well, and, and, and you just said something really important as well, which is just an understanding that, that good teachers are made and not born. That, that yeah you know as, as Matt said you know anyone who you know can you know who you know who's able to you know understand the content and is willing to work at it can become a brilliant teacher and it's yeah it's not about who you are as a person it's about you know what you're willing to to put in and, and what you're willing to work on uh, you know I, I think for a long time I, I did believe that you know I you know if I were a good teacher it's because I, I was born that way because you know it was who I was and you know it was sort of tied to my personality as, as Matt was just saying but yeah it's that that, that, that understanding that it's about um, the work that you put in yeah I think I think I, I, I mean I don't really engage in the sort of Twitter debate wars at least but but but, but there's some science to say certain things work you know, there, there are some there's some pretty safe bets in teaching that if you nail these parts then you'll, you'll be pretty effective at what you do um, and, and I think probably just recognizing that, that yeah, we have code, we have codified and, and pinned down some aspects of what we do that, that generally work. Uh, and um, yeah, and that it is teachable. You can teach people how to be better at teaching, you know, uh, and um, and just be willing to listen to that. You know, I think it's a danger because a lot of us were educated in, in a period whereby it was all about you know the showmanship and and maybe other things uh, and and lots of um, Whereas I think recently we've, we've kind of realised that, that, that actually there's just certain things you, you can probably get quite good at and, and you'll be effective taking complex things and, and communicating them simply to, to people at the, at the level they require you know, uh, in an effective kind of inclusive way. Yeah. I, think it's, I, I think it'd be quite... Uh, I also think sort of personality teaching is not that inclusive either, personally. I, I, and I, was, I am, I was that, so I'm holding my hands up and I'm going to reality. I'm saying I think looking back that what that wasn't right for my students actually i think i think i failed some students because because of having that approach to teaching i'm quite honest uh, and i, I wish i'd realized then like you know there were just ways to hit to get to all of them and to teach all of them yeah yeah i think i think you're right though the system rewarded it to an extent didn't it oh yeah yeah, yeah. i wish got a standing badge you were like golden i was like golden what yeah imagine like tom i was you know i was oh, 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 I'd naturally figured a few things out about teaching. I figured out small steps quite early in my career, weirdly. I'd figured out, like, you need to break the plan. I got, I got my head around that. Um, but, but yeah, and once you got that badge, you know, then you were pretty much untouchable until you didn't get that badge, at which point your world fell apart. You know, it didn't happen to me, but I've seen it happen to people where they're, they're, they're like, good observation, good observation, not a good observation, uh, every spotlight in the school's on them, you know. And, uh, it's all it was so unhealthy, wasn't it, that sort of period in education. Um, I, th I think they definitely value, you know, it, it's possible to be an introvert and model really well and explain, really well, you know, so I think teachers now are sort of in a, in a better position. And, um, you know, I think that section will be really helpful to anyone who's thinking about getting into teaching or is at the start of their journey, you know, thinking about, you know, one thing came across really strongly was listening. You know, if someone's listening and paying attention to those small, minute details, then like you said, you know, the rate of progress is going to be rapid, you know, but it's diligent work. But I think the, the more I'm alive and the more I learn, the more I realize that 
anything worth doing involves that kind of diligent and you know due process you know and, and really putting the hours in you know so it makes, it makes a lot of sense and so your work has inspired many and will continue to do so for a long time i, I have no doubt and where do you draw your inspiration from well, that's very kind kieran I, i'm not really sure i accept the premise of your question but i'll uh, <laughs> i'll go with it um i think um I think in terms of education, um, I would say, you know, that there are some really, there are some big names out there in education and, um, you know, and, and, you know, individuals, schools, organizations who do incredible work and are very, very well known um, for that work. Um, but I think, you know, just the idea that also out there, there are a load of amazing schools that you don't know about, that no one knows about. And, and I think there's something um, I think there's something inspiring about um, people who just quietly go about and do what they do really, really, really well. And, and that's not to say that the big names, you know, aren't inspirational either. And, 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 I, and I think actually a lot of the big names fully, fully deserve the plaudits that they get. And I don't think they've sought them out either. So I, I'm absolutely not criticising that. But I think there is something very impressive in just you know being content to be really really good at something work really really hard at something um and just do so you know quietly and um and 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 get that sense of satisfaction um yourself that yes we're doing something really really good here because i think there are an awful lot of teachers and an awful lot of schools um like that i think uh, that's a good answer, Tom. That's a really good answer. <laughs> I'm Sorry. Not sure. I'm not sure. I mean, I'm, well, I'm meant to add that, if I'm honest. Um, I think Tom answered that really well. I do. Uh, I'm not trying to be evasive. I think, you know, as teacher educators, um, I think you'd be hard pushed to look past Douglas Mark, wouldn't you? The guy that codified it, you know? Like, it won't be more than iteration number five, but. That's pretty. That's pretty. Yeah, look at look at the most effective teachers and what they what are the common what are the what are the common threads. I think that's interesting for me. I think maybe maybe he's inspiration in that sense. He's got me to look at teaching as as, as a craft. You know, that's a boring answer. I'm sure, but it's every answer. But but it is a good, it's my answer probably. You know, I can't have Tom's, which is far far better. Far better. Me, Douglas. <laughs> anyway, yeah. No, but I think I think Douglas is an excellent example of someone who is a big name, but is completely uh, deserving of that. You know, mm -hmm. has done an incredible amount of, of of really hard work, and and is actually you know incredibly uh, you know self-effacing. Um, you know, not in it for the uh, for the plaudits and and things like that. You know, he he just does something really good, put it out there, and and is quite rightly you know um, had it shared really really widely. I think Matt, you've been you have been in a really difficult position all night because Tom's knocking all these answers out of the park, you know, every time. I think you've done equally equally a brilliant job, but um, you know, but when some of the some of the profundity in in the in the first answer, you're like, whoa, where do I go from here? Oh, oh, that one just goes for the Lamov, man. Just just have Lamov. Great answer, Tom. Yeah. I'm also I'm also like. Uh, yeah, I've also just video called out my eyes are like this, saucers. Um, we, this is my eighth hour on video today, but it's been brilliant actually. It's been a nice way to end the day because most of it's a bit business, so to speak. This has been really nice. Yeah, it's been fantastic. Um, 
Do you have any final advice for school leaders? I think I, I'd say, and again, I know I sound like a broken record. If you're not if you're not looking at deliberate practice in in your professional development in one way or another, you're missing a bit of a trick. So you know, go away and just read practice uh, practice with purpose. Uh, you know, it's it's a short, it's free to download online from Deans for Impact, um, and just have a read of that and and just think about how you can start getting some of that happening in your in your PD. And it, it can be in a very very small way initially. Uh, you know you know, largely theoretical sessions with bits of practice at the end, um, you know, and, and it can be very light bits of scripting and things like that. But but that would be my, my biggest tip, um, even though that's probably not a big surprise. No, uh, I, I would say, I suppose, uh, for, for leaders, I guess, I, I, I'd take stock of what you're doing and I, how you're asking as teachers to spend their time beyond the classroom uh, and, and, and ask yourself, is that the best use of their time? You know, and, and is that... Is, is that the best use of time we want to continue to improve teaching and learning? I think that's something that I've done more and more. And I know that, and I now work with you. So Jerry makes a great example of leaders of that's all they ever do. It's like, you know, okay, where is there more opportunity to, to focus on development of teaching and learning uh, and teaching to that? Um, or on curriculum, whatever, which, which of those two may be. Uh, I think just do that and then be a bit brave. You know, and what I would say actually, just to, to the people out there, I've been to a few of the New York states. Um, and it pays to be brave. It pays to, to, to bet on your teachers and bet on your curriculum uh, and, and to, to be willing to sort of cut away the stuff that's not uh, not having a bigger impact. It's kind of, as a Pareto principle, isn't it? Like 20% of the things have 80% of the impact. Just try and, you know, that 20% of things is teaching, basically. It's, it's being a Tom and teaching, isn't it? So um, my advice would, if it, it is, I mean, Tom's right. If you're going to spend time spending on social coaching that's pretty highest that's the highest yield sort of spend but 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 then you need to get time don't you so i like, just think about how you can create some time that's that's the only that's the only commodity we spend isn't it schools on kids on each other on, on teachers and so try and find someone wherever you can um and be willing to sort of maybe make some cuts if you can it's all right i've got a phone going now everything God, Lord, we're getting told off excellent um couldn't agree more and um, I think all that's left to say is thank you very much, guys, for joining us. Thanks, Kieran. Thanks for having us. No problem. Kieran, no problem at all, man.